0: back to rockstock channel it is friday the 13th january i am here back in bull's lair different backgrounds rodney and i took kind of a, a european style long break we did record a video just before with david Deckelbaum, lithium value which looked to be a, a pretty good call at you know th- there was a sell-off in the last kind of four or six weeks of, of the year, we'll we'll put up the scoreboard in lithium equities, which uh, David was suggesting was largely correlated to sell-offs, not specifically for lithium, but you know, in Tesla and other EV-themed stories in, in the United States. There's, there's obviously been some fear with the price of lithium falling a little bit, and still some of the bigger banks. With big voices questioning. So, you know, Morgan Stanley actually came out with a reasonably productive note. We'll put that up here, framing the various debates. And within commodities, they're basically saying the lithium price forecast is widest among all of the commodities they follow, like copper, nickel, et cetera. So the, the disparity of views within lithium is wider. That creates greater volatility. Uh, that was the, the the word for the for this decade, I said uh, when interviewed by Priscilla Barrera of Investing News Network, and that volatility creates opportunities for those if you have, if you're not completely, you know, fully invested, and then have some available cash to take advantage of the, the dips. Uh, so as we're out of the gate, I'm looking at, I, I updated the scoreboards just for the first two weeks of of this year relative to those downturns, and a number of stocks have performed. You know, very well, uh, notably Piedmont, Winsome Resources, and and even companies like Standard Lithium has rebounded a lot. American Lithium announced that they're listing in the US. You know, they're up 47% uh, so far this year. You know, Live End is up a fair bit, Albemarle. So, it, it, in general, we're having a bit of a recovery in the first two weeks of the year. There's a lot of macro iron ore and copper are doing well. You know, still questions China's reopening and, you know, there's some stimulus, a lot of commodities like I'm, I'm broadly optimistic, Rodney, we've been talking, you're broadly optimistic, but we're reluctant to the third year in a row entitled this, you know, lithium's year, right, as we entitled the start of last year's rockstock channel and the years before because you do see some potential clouds on the horizon in 2024 we could talk a little bit about that but for the first you know half of this year and probably all of this year in my opinion you know the china reopening US implementing all of the inflation reduction act and bipartisan infrastructure law just since the beginning of the year I've seen Joe Biden and Jigger Shah and Jennifer Granholm uh, reiterating all of their legislative accomplishments in particular as they pertain to EV so there's full-throated endorsement from the US government you know on the EV thematic you have you know a lot of new models coming out from Ford and GM you know the F150 in particular from Ford we've now had significant price cuts from Tesla talking about Jigger Shah just on the tape as we're speaking Ioneer, and Sabania got a $700 million loan commitment subject to. They're getting fully permitted and resolving some other issues, but that is very prominent. There's been only one other critical mineral or EV battery mineral uh, company funded from the loan project office, and that was Saira. So these are not grants. These are the loans. Uh, Piedmont and Lithium Americas have also applied. So I'm hopeful we're going to see some loans for for both of those companies but but Ioneer is up 25 30% in their US listed share this announcement came you know after their more liquid Australian share stopped trading other news flow just to, before we kind of just get into it you know we've seen some M&A already IGO and Tangshi are buying ESS Minerals and then in, in Australian exploration play and then SQM is making an investment in an early stage exploration play, you know, Azure. So here you have two majors focused on hard rock, you know, early stage exploration, which I think is interesting. You also had, uh, and this is likely the reason Piedmont stock has rallied, a restructuring of their arrangement with Tesla, whereby they're now going to receive spodumene a lot sooner, and they're going to receive it though on a variable price tied, tied to hydroxide. Coming from you know Piedmont's offtake allocation from the North American lithium mine uh, with their joint venture partner Siana. but it shows to me that Tesla is very serious about their hydroxide aspirations in Texas. But Core Lithium, which supposedly was going to have a supply agreement with Tesla, Core looked li- to uh, walk away from that supply agreement uh, in November, and it strikes me as a little bit of maybe desperation or or certain urgency on Tesla to replace you know those tons they were expecting to get from core and luckily they can get it you know with Piedmont but they had to rip up their prior fixed price agreement which was struck at a time when lithium prices were at their bottom and here you know Piedmont's now going to get full market pricing on that spodumene as early as this year you know because that's a commitment for two and a half years of 125,000 tons it equates to about 50,000 tons Per year. I was earlier this week uh, in, in Toronto, Critical Elements had an investor day. Uh, we could talk a little bit about that. Rodney, you gave a presentation on why the structural deficit you know, in lithium is, is is here to stay. A presentation you gave as well at the one-to-one conference in November, which was a very popular video. Why don't you, Rodney, uh, share your thoughts that you shared about Critical Elements and just more broadly at the start of the year, now that I've given this
1: long monologue. The presentation was slightly tweaked on the on the critical elements from the previous one, in that I said the structural deficit is here to stay, you know, and why demand growth is key. I think we don't see any surprises coming up in the next while. So it all comes down to demand as the how the equation of market balance will sit. I'm surprised at the bearish forecasts from some of the brokers for China. I know that they've Walked back a little bit on that forecast, but the BYD chairman previously said they were aiming for 4 million sales in 2023, which is quite staggering considering where they've come up and past Tesla, although they do do quite a lot of plug-in hybrids as opposed to full battery electric. But that's 4 million relative to 1.87 million last year. And then Tesla, of course, has a 50% compound, broadly speaking, target, although they did 40 last year. So those two alone would be, even with haircutting the BYD objective, although they do have a backlog of, big backlog of orders and haircutting Tesla, you still get well above 15% growth in China. And yet people are forecasting 10 to 15% growth only for the entire market of China for this year. Now, that obviously is linked to subsidies, but we've just seen Tesla cut its prices and we'll see how BYD plays out. But. As price points, BYD is already competitive against internal combustion engine vehicles. So I don't agree with the bearish forecast of EV sales growth for this year. I'm not seeing it. And then we've now seen Tesla cut prices aggressively in the US. So not only in some instances have the price of vehicles fallen $13,000, but you could then potentially get the $7,500 credit, I think, before end of March or whenever it is. So a total of a $20,000 drop on a car that was in the low 60s. So if you, know, if you look at the average price of a new car in the US and you compare what the new price of Tesla is and the Model 3, the base with the subsidy is just over 35000 I think it's 36000 I think that's likely to boost demand uh, in the US and I'm expecting big growth to continue there. So bottom line... Our RK equity models are 30% growth in EV sales, possibly a bit more. And I saw Row Motion, they've got to 14 million. So, off 10.2, they're even higher at 30 something percent. So, if you get that number, I'd be very surprised. It's pretty much not possible for there not to be another deficit this year and a pretty decent one. Also, to consider is those who've watched my, my presentation on the structural deficit will know. It's cathode production that drives demand, not installed EV battery volumes. It's, it's pre-production in anticipation of sales. And if we have the Cybertruck release in decent volume towards the end of this year and the semi-kicking in, and we know ESS is picking up, I've seen some quite staggering numbers on last year's demand and where you know we could go forward. I've seen the figures as high as 300 gigawatt hours for 2025. Our model says 230. You know, that's always going to underpin. So I think, you know, your, your point about Tesla and the hydroxide factory or whatever, they are likely to use that in any overflow on LFP or any of the other batteries, you know, could be used in their energy storage. I don't think there's a shortage of redeploying batteries for them. So my guess is it's time for them to step up. And I'm sure uh, these price cuts are going to help steer them in the right direction because they are meaningful price cuts when you look at it, including the subsidies. So that being the case, I think 2023 looks to be another good year for lithium demand. And that should mean a deficit like I have in our models 2024. You know, hopefully you get early shoots of Europe picking up demand for the 2025 carbon emission penalty increase. But it's going to be a critical year. If It's very hard to focus. It looks like inflation is under control. But if you look, reading The Economist and other publications, you know, there's questions around GDP growth globally and the economics of it. Largely, the supply-demand equation is going to be determined by demand because we've got no secret supply I'm still waiting. I keep hearing talk. I keep hearing people talking about upping volumes and this and that when they're not even in production. I've just seen uh, fast markets. They've got lithium prices now down again for the week at 45,000. My forecast on China spot is 65,000. If you look at the current uh, rem to US dollar, that would be about 440,000 as an average for the year. So. If EV sales do come through and ESS is strong, then we should see some restocking occur and, and the markets start to pick up again. But 2024, there will be more supply coming online and uh, we'll have to see, you know, I I need to see a demand holding where I have it. That's important and and the economy will obviously impact on that and electricity prices in Europe and so on.
0: All right. So you, you're you're bullish 2023. You're a little bit more cautious 2024 because you see supply of lithium coming and you're questioning pro- prospects of demand, which are things that are out of your control, right? You just see potential recession. Look, if,
1: if, if, you, if you say to me, Howard, there's going to be 25%, there's going to be 30% plus this year and 25% in 2024, then there is no problem. But if- If we do have a prolonged recession or I don't know what's going to happen with Russia and the Ukraine or the price of electricity and therefore demand for EVs and so on, you know, can't answer to all of those things. It's a comment that's heavily reliant on demand continuing. If you're comfortable that auto sales will hold up and EV sales will hold up, no problem. If we have a, you know, and some of the bearish models, believe it or not, Goldman Sachs to 2030. Has Chinese EV sales compounded growth at below 10% per year, which I think is, you know, that's brutal.
0: For what it's worth, my assessment or just digesting all the various, you know, news of of, of the world on where demand might be, um and, and and the various worries uh you know out there, you know, in, in the US, uh you know inflation is coming down it seems i mean rates may continue to rise but i think the market's pricing at maybe 25 basis points but the general chatter, or my assessment is that sooner rather than later you know the rate hikes are going to stop and then the market's going to start thinking about when they might cut again again could be wrong about that but the I'm in the camp of, you know, maybe the economy is not so bad. Yes, they're having layoffs. But in general, people who are laid off from tech companies are are being snapped up pretty quickly. And uh, the overall un- unemployment rate is, is not rising too badly. We had this reopening trade in the United States right after all of the COVID You're now having this big shift in China. A a reopening trade, I think, will be very positive, both from the industrial economy, the government will stimulate, and commodity prices are kind of like indicating that, but also the consumer pent-up demand from the consumer, just like in the U.S., I I think that'll be strong you know in in china and then in europe you know gas prices are are low you know so all of this like the winter is going to be terrible and the russia you know ukraine scenario is is going to wreak havoc in general that that's that's it's not as bad as it may seem and europe's commitment to evs is is strong one of our clients you know european metals holdings and, and some other european kind of like lithium activity seemed to slow down because of this paranoia about energy you know and russia ukraine last year hopefully that'll that'll shift the us more than has made up for it and you know, as we see, you know, Canada, we've talked about Canada, like in the lithium space for a really long time. It's, and we've talked about early last year, we interviewed Matt Fernley. you and him were talking about like in a bullish market environment, the, the most upside at the drill bit and the talk of the lithium industry now is there's largely exploration in Quebec, you know, to some extent Ontario with Patriot Battery Metals soaring and and Winsome soaring. That's
1: that's a highly, highly prospective area. I mean, in that sense, you asked me about 2024. I still think for low valuation companies that have good prospective ground that can drill up and produce... Within a reasonable space of time. And I think Canada are going to have it good. And then obviously Australia, which has come through in, you know, the SQM and the ESS deals that you've seen announced. You've got global lithium sitting right amongst and you know they've already had a number of agreements and minority shareholdings and so on and talking of Matt you know he mentioned you know the valuation on ESS what was paid he thought someone even might come and bid so that bodes well as a relative valuation for global living because I've said it before you know find me a company that's got 50 million tons plus Of resource that isn't spoken for right they all you know they're all getting snapped up so they're drilling and and growing it and western australia permitting and getting into production i think we'll see more but got those plays Advanced, so it drew a good parallel to their valuation of uh, to Global Lithium's valuation with ESS. I'm sure you know you're going to see more activity in that region, and then in Canada, you know you look at what Patriots valued at relative to that, and what its resource will be, and Winsome what they're drilling out, and uh, you know w- what more is to come there, and then other prospective plays, good prospective ground, and successful drilling is is always going to pay off heavily, especially in that region, and This whole concept, I'm reading more and more articles about, you know, the death of globalization and regionalization happening, and especially the plays in the U.S. and what will happen in Europe. I think if the U.S. is serious about going it alone in North America and with friendly allies, then Canada is perfectly placed and demand will pick up. You know, you mentioned in our pre-discussion about Tesla and the day coming up, you know, are they about to announce, you know, a low-cost EV? is that a game changer
0: you're talking about investor like tesla's having an investor day in austin not focused on ai and robots like last year but very much focused similar to battery day and all the hype leading up to battery day we now have investor day i think it's march 1st where it, it, it's in austin they're going to be talking about vehicles i think right you know and growth okay, so, strategy so the thing is so the are, are
1: they about to come out with something that costs only thirty-five dollars or $30,000 and it'll get an EV credit. Because if Tesla is about to say, right, EVs are taking off, we think we're going to go volume at lower margin instead of this lesser volume at higher margin, it's gamebusters for lithium, right? If they are now going to address a much bigger segment of the you know, consumer market by coming out with a cheaper vehicle, then that's good news for our industry. If Tesla decides to go for the high volume, lower margin model.
0: Oh, okay. Well, I hope you're right. I haven't seen a ton of speculation yet that you know that's what they're going to so do. I, I but don't know, but, but the,
1: again, they're going to have to go upstream, and it's something I mentioned in Critical Elements. Is if you look at it, if the industry is only profitable at sixty-five thousand dollars a ton or less, they need to then ensure that that's the case. Just signing an off-take is not enough because you can yeah. still have a bull market in lithium where you don't make any money so you know I, I still don't understand how you can spend hundreds of billions but you won't put a risk portfolio together and take some exposure to junior mines
0: well i think you're going to see i hope you're going to see you know more of it uh, again tesla piedmont that's just a, a restructuring of of that offtake agreement but you know gm live and you know funding uh you know ford lion town i think you're going to see more of that this year. Yeah, but again,
1: Uh, the issue is it's SQM doing the deal. It's IGO and Tangxi. It's not a battery cell, you know, or a OEM. And yet in China... You've got CATL and BYD that do upstream deals.
0: Yeah, yeah, they, they do. I mean, but look, GM gave live Ent money and Ford is okay. going to give Liontown money. So um, it's not equity stakes, but it, they're prepays or loans. And I, I hope and, and think you'll see more of that coming from U.S. OEMs as well as the Korean you know battery makers SK and LG in particular you know in the US maybe we'll see it from Panasonic as well but investor day is coming up march 1st six weeks away there was a lot of speculation you know every tesla youtuber was talking about what are they going to talk about at battery day i think january 25th is tesla's uh, quarterly results i'm looking at tesla investor day to hear about their plans for lithium hydroxide i wonder if they're going to say anything about you know their deal with talon metals right and all the nickel there was some commentary in Battery Day about you know just nickel powder or whatever. Do you have any thoughts on that? You've been talking with Talon a fair bit.
1: Okay, you got to remember they're sending over a concentrate. So within that concentrate, there are various things. And that also includes uh, an agreement on iron mm-hmm. and iron powder and, and high purity. So Tesla kills two birds with one stone. They get nickel concentrate for the, I guess the semi and the cyber and the upper end models. And then they get iron powder for LFP. Hopefully they will have some update, uh, update on that. But of course, they now need to address the lithium question if they are going to do this 50% compound. And I'm, I'm really waiting to see if there's anything on clay and all of the just add salts and water story or if that's just going to quietly drift out of the narrative, which I'm expecting it will. Is, I, I, uh, I haven't it, heard
0: them say anything about that. I think it, it, they are going ahead with hard rock to hydroxide in Corpus Christi, and they've sourced some of it from Piedmont. Where else are they going to source it from? You know, is, is Sigma going to sign a okay, deal with yeah, them? Is,
1: we're likely to see something... On that front, it's just, and I know uh, Joe's raised it as well is, you know, they're not the only game in town anymore. So you can't muscle people into bad deals. Uh, no,
0: no, no question about it. And, <laughs> so that's why the refinery is not the money printing machine. It's the suppliers who are going to give him the mean that's the money printing machine. But he does need to lock it up, right? It, is my point.
1: Why would you not sign some deals with highly prospective juniors? that can supply you with the spodumene in North America.
0: Another company outside of lithium, but, you know, potentially relevant for Tesla, is in Graphite is Nouveau Monde, uh, who signed a deal with Panasonic. And Panasonic's obviously a major supplier to Tesla. So I'm just I'm wondering what, if any, comments, you know, he'll make about Graphite, right? And and localizing supply. Yeah, I, uh, you know, for that. I guess,
1: yeah. I suppose, you know, does one want to flag more problems than the one you've already got? But definitely graphite is brewing. We know that. You know, I guess the question is how, you know, you, your share price has gone from 400 or whatever it is to 110. So do you now start to justify like other OEMs have, GM and what have you, exactly what your procurement Looks like and how much you've got covered, as opposed to don't you know, nothing to see here. You know, we're all fine.
0: You know, he, he's done a number of stock splits because the stock went too high. So, I'm wondering, are, are the is he going to do a reverse split now <laughs> from 100 to 400? So I doubt again,
1: it. You know, and that's that's why I say that the question is again, is if you're going to go in this mass volume EV, how does the industry shake out? Who gets what in the mix? But I think he is now going to need to reassure shareholders that he can control. Because again, if you're going to the model of high volume, lower margin, you'd better make sure there's a margin and how you're yeah. going to earn it, which is why I think it's imperative that he explain how he's going to keep his battery raw material costs down. Let's
0: see what he comes up with. But he, his talk on lithium and battery materials is often very intelligent, but it's often also a bit... Misdirection, you know, in that going back to the scoreboard and and looking at narratives within lithium, lithium broadly, as we see it as kind of like two current producing types, you know, hard rock and brine, and two futuristic, hopeful, play, and let's call it DLE brine, uh, you know, alternative brine projects that have been advancing. And then you have geographically, you have Australia, you have Canada, you have Chile and Argentina, and and you have Africa, you know, and some Europe. It looks like there has been a shift to what we have talked about for years, the narrative shift every six to 12 months within lithium. And we were surprised at all the traction that, you know, DLE stories got, whatever, in, in, in 2021. But a lot of those stocks have underperformed in 2022. They're still out there. A lot of them have gotten funded. They're making progress and we're rooting for them, but the, the bloom is off that rose a little bit.
1: I think that again, Howard, why? Because if you look at the timelines and when they will be fully funded through feasibility, built, ramped, and producing qualified material is. Down the road. And
0: exactly. And clay if
1: you're assuming steep backwardation in prices, then you know you people are discounting it more aggressively. Whereas near term producers, again, you look at Piedmont, you know, that's you know, to generate cash flows in the near term. And and the market has decided, yeah, we've seen where the prices are and they've rewarded the sigmas, the what have you. I still think. I'm missing a trick on piedmont because north american lithium should be up and running and you know they've got a bar now in, in tesla and could generate half a billion in, in EBITDA on a market cap only double that the, the beauty of what
0: we're doing here and for all of our listeners we, we've talked about we're not investment advisors but the opportunity to make life transformational wealth is possible if you follow these markets closely so if you listened. To you know, when we were interviewing, you know, Chris Evans of Winsome before he went public, right? And then soon after he went public, and you were watching that story, nothing was happening for nine months. It was public. It went up a little bit, and then in the downturn, whatever in in, in May, it was below its IPO price of 20 cents, right? It went down to like 19 or 18 cents. You know, it's up 10 times since it's IPO, basically. It's at a at dollar ninety. I feel we feel very fortunate of having identified you know that name we think there's still reasonable upside there um you know we missed patriot you know we missed lots of things. we missed lion town a few years ago we missed you know a, a, a number of
1: other yeah, you know, asx listed in terms companies of the names that you you mentioning it's all hard rock it all comes at the end of a drill but we missed global lithium there's a million ones so
0: yeah yeah um, but but there and the narrative what what what, what I'm saying is You've always said the fastest route to getting lithium units into the market are hard rock, preferably kind of like DMS only. And that is reflected in the scoreboard, right? The hard rock producers, hard rock explorers, a number of companies have come out of nowhere, you know, last year. And we expect that to continue. We are looking for the next Patriots, the next Winsomes with high priority right now.
1: Chris points out, you know, they have they're drilling. They think there's more to come. But if you look at the original deposit, not Adina where the big hits are coming, but Canset, you know, there's 3 million tons of DSO at surface, which based on core lithium's price is 3 billion in revenue. If you were to be able to sell it for $1,000 a tonne, we think there's more but with that said it doesn't mean you know i i like galan and that's uh brian but i, um, I, I
0: want to, i wanted to ask you about that like uh, six months ago 12 months ago you had rio tinto buying into Rincon, and then you had ganfeng buying into lithium i forget exactly like, Gio, whatever like, it was, yeah. li- pay, paying like billion dollars and again we've missed argentine things in the past you know i think there's a, probably an opportunity in in galan and, and probably in lithium power you know, advanced stage brines in South America are are deeply discounted to where they they were. I I like
1: the grade and so on. I, I like the way that they are approaching what it is that they're going to do and what it is that they're going to sell. Galen,
0: we believe in DLE, and hopefully there are going to be some winners. And E three and Compass Minerals. The Compass stock has been moving, you know, a bit. I spoke to a sell side analyst this week who was taking them out on a roadshow to to Milwaukee. Their lithium teams. We don't believe that these are fundamentally disruptive to the cost curve, but later in the decade they will add to supply. If it's getting government support, I think that's a decent sign. E3 got some government support. You know, Talon got some government support. Piedmont got some government support, you know, in terms of the grants. Ioneer, watching very closely. Uh, I'm expecting both Lithium Americas and Piedmont.
1: Canada, their IRA, if you will call it, has been around a while. It's flow through finance. You essentially get almost double the price it's exploration. It has to be exploration. But you've seen various companies go out and raise and generate nearly double the price of the spot through the flow through financing mechanism at a critical time in a company's life.
0: It's extremely favorable financing. A couple of my recent lithium bulls, I focused on Crocodile Rock, Australian Rock, and then Crocodile Dundee, a bunch of Australians, you know, kind of coming into North America, Quebec in particular, you know, because there's a relative valuation. We've talked about this, the, the Canada discount, the Quebec discount, and it still applies and uh, we think it's going to close. So some of the best value we see is in North America, hard rock. And that, that includes Piedmont. It includes critical elements. It includes, you know, it includes Namaska inside of Liven. It includes James Bay inside of Olchem, in, in my opinion. So I'm looking at, at those things. I think you're going to see a lot more activity. You're probably going to see small and big, you know, consolidation. Albemarle making tons of money, they might be ready to make some bid. One thing, just as a prediction, we've talked about or as a catalyst coming up, apart from Tesla Investor Day, I think Albemarle enlivens commentary and SQM's commentary in their quarterly results at the end of the year, where they're going to outlay their forecast for the year, is going to be bullish and should be a catalyst. But I'm very confident that Mineral Resources is going to list their lithium business in the United States, you know. so as soon as they bed down their restructured joint venture with Albemarle, I think their attention is going to turn to an IPO of some sort. If that happens, that will be a very big valuation. A lot of institutional investors are going to pay attention to that. And it'll be a bigger year for capital raising than last year was. The capital markets broadly, the SPAC market, the IPO market in the United States was, was very bad. I think it it'll get better this year as it pertains to the battery material space. I tweeted about, you know, David Deck at Cowan, the video we did, he followed on with some writing, a forty-five page update note. Others are coming out with bullish notes like Deutsche Bank, Macquarie and expect some of the other Aussies, when they get back to the office, they're going to be publishing their updated notes, which are going to be broadly bullish with, you always know, got to be some cautionary, but we've called this first video of the year, you know, bang the drum all day, you know, from Todd Rundgren in 1983, you know, I don't want to work. I just want to bang on the drum all day. So the song remains the same. Volatility. you know, buy the dip, keep it simple, stupid, crocodile rock and Crocodile Dundee, I think are all, you, you're going to do well in well-valued management's projects. We prefer hard rock, but with all the caveats and, and other commentary that we gave on some of the names, that there's lots of value in, in a number of the brine and DLE stories, even the clay stories as well. If Lithium America is within two months, Judge Do gives a thumbs up, other clay opportunities are going to race like, you know, Cypress Development, which everybody always asks me, why don't I ever mention that name? You know, so there it is. I mentioned it. <laughs> there are a couple of other, other names. Anson Resources, I, I don't really talk about or look at much, but I did notice on the scoreboard that that one kind of ticked up. So we, I am looking for, it's, it's hard, but interesting to just, you got to pick well, but there are sleeper stories. Anyway, we think the Zinwaldite mica-like deposits should have their a day in the sun, so interesting times, as always, in Lithium. Thank you very much, everyone, for watching. We're going to have a lot of you know new and interesting things this year for Rockstock Channel, and strongly encourage you to join us as Patreons, um, follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter, and uh, keep an eye out for some great new content in the coming weeks and months.